And I said, so what are we, when are we bringing them in? Like, you're making a point. How do you want me to do this? Point each day. He said, hell no. We're bringing them all in. We're gonna, and we're going to bring all the event directors in. We're going to have each event their own table. And the signage guy is going to go to that table and pitch him and then go to the next event Whoa. and pitch him. And we're going to have them all in the same room at the same time. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's, we cannot do this. I'm like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. I'm sweating. They're not even, it's not even me. And he's like, oh, no, we're going to get them in a room. We're going to lock them in a room. And it's going to be survival of the fittest. And we'll see who wants to go 15 rounds and go table to table and sell themselves 15 times. We fed them. What's up, everybody? We're here with uh, Jeff Orloff, Graham, Graham Lassen, Graham Hearns, and Robbie, Robbie Burns. So we're sitting down in Quinn's. Quinn's Kitchen, and we're uh, we're in for a great conversation today. So, how's everybody feeling? Doing well, thanks. Pretty Friday good. afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Happy awesome. Yeah. Got you guys out of work early, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank, thank you. you. As early as I've been. Oh, this, this isn't work. Oh, Not for us. This is play. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, this is a long day at the office. Yeah. So um, these guys all have a, uh, a long history together. Um, if I have this correct, um, Robbie and Graham were both Jeff's interns back in the day. And um, so you guys, we could start there. I mean, you guys kind of just want to talk about your experience working with uh, with beautiful Jeff over here. Um, well, mine, uh, this is Rob. I'm, uh, I have a little bit different um, experience because I was a little bit later to the group. So I had the opportunity to work for both guys. Um, I was technically Jeff's intern, but... Re- Reported to Graham, um, and uh, I don't know how much of the background you know, but we worked for IMG Sports and um, all the different events that we owned, and when I signed up for the internship, I thought I'd be answering Tiger Woods' private phone line or something like that, and in the midst of my first day, um, I was taken down <laughs> to a dusty racetrack and introduced to the group. So, um, no, all kidding aside, but I, I started as an intern working for Graham, but also uh, uh, ultimately uh, on Jeff's team so yeah um, and I think that was 1999 yeah that's right uh, I, I arrived on the scene in 1994 where I had the chance to uh, to start to intern for Jeff in the motorsports department there uh, here in the Cleveland office and uh, some wonderful uh, lessons very early on was exposed to just a, a lot of elements particularly of the uh, operations of building and tearing down a racetrack and building a team and uh, many lessons that have stuck with me for for decades subsequently when did you start at IMG Ooh. 1986 January 8th 1986 is that the memorandum downstairs that no that was two and a half years later when I promotion when right. I started full-time ah so, Jeff, what was your position at IMG? How did you have this all this clout that you could just hire interns left and right, you know? <laughs> yeah, what's this about? I had so much clout. Um, no, I was the, when these guys were here, I was the vice president or senior vice president of motorsports, so op- or motorsports operations. Okay. So, and I also oversaw the intern program. So, I got my I got to choose the the best of the best, mm-hmm. and. Whatever they used to call the, the, my boss, Bud Stanner used to call them FOJs, friends of Jeff. 
And uh, <coughs> the best thing that you could have said. I was yeah. expecting <laughs> No, that's what he called them. Okay. I didn't know that for a while, but yes, he wow. called them friends of Jackman because everybody that worked as an intern that worked with us always ended up, or the people that were good that worked with me ended up working at getting a full time job and working with energy. That was the way to do it. Wonderful mentor to, to not only us, but to many people throughout the years. And uh, again, you're at a, a young, impressionable age, and you're taking a lot of mental notes, uh, both what you want to do and what you don't want to do as you watch you know, hundreds of people that you work with. And uh, Jeff was instrumental in helping us and still is with some of the lessons that we learned. Yeah. Do you guys remember, I mean, any of the projects you all worked on together? Sure. Cleveland Grand Prix, Detroit Grand Prix, which Graham took over. And St. Petersburg Grand Prix. Short stint in Dallas. You were uh, instrumental in Australia with the Surfer's Paradise uh, event as well. Jeff got into fashion and the Fashion Week there in New York City in Midtown. Wow. I think that was the beauty of IMG was that um, IMG had its, its uh, tentacles into a lot of different parts of not only sports but uh, more broadly entertainment. And right. I think at its core... It wasn't so much that it was a car race or a cricket game or a match. It was entertainment and um, the ability to to participate in a lot of forms of entertainment was uh, was really memorable. And some of us got more out of that than others. Some people found their lifelong partner at the during this period of time and is still and and now has three children with that person. Um, yeah, I met my wife um, as part of, uh, well, I actually had started to work full-time on Graham's team, and that summer I met my wife. Um, Were you an intern still? No. No, I had graduated to that middle of, you work here, but you don't have benefits yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, then, we call it the AAA affiliate <laughs> team. And, um, but no, and, and, and it was funny, but as we were talking about that, and Graham had mentioned the, the events, um, early on with the, with the motorsports specifically, the events were such huge, elaborate events, but they were so temporary. I mean, it was such a quick weekend. And for, you know, you had a, a staff of 30, 40, 50 people that worked year-round on two events that literally were four days long and then and kept moving. And um, I think that was one of the best things that both, you know, Jeff definitely started and Graham uh, was able to take the baton with was there were a lot of people, not only the interns from every department, but also a lot of employees at the Cleveland office that would come out and be part of that event who volunteered their time or maybe they were paid, I, I, mm -hmm. probably not, um, who came out and were part of a big event, you know, whether it be being a ticket taker or helping in the hospitality area. Um, and so it was interesting because, as Jeff said, he, he, the FOJs and the group that was his intern, but he did have the ability to see and, and, and really get to know the entire group as, as the mentor and kind of the leader of the, the, the program, but also because all of a sudden, the week of the race, it was all hands on deck. And if you were a legal intern, you stopped what you were doing and you came downtown and helped. Um, from moving tires to moving boxes, driving golf carts, like you just grabbed a bunch of... Mm -hmm. zip ties and hung signs and I think that was a big part of the fact that he was a good guy to work for and everybody liked it and had fun you know to create an environment where we worked really hard uh, but there was a, a sense of fulfillment and a lot of fun I think you know, uh, the words teamwork and collaboration are overused in today's society uh, yet um, at a very young age those were are terms that really stuck with me you had 
you had colleagues, you had friends, you had volunteers that were working really hard, long hours, and there was a sense of bonding and camaraderie that took place that is hard to replicate in just about any other business model. And so when you're really young, you, you don't know whether this is the way it's always going to be when you're working in the professional world or if you had something really special in that particular chapter. And it, for me, it was more the latter. It was just a very special chapter with some special people that have become lifelong friends. And so when organizing one of these Grand Prix, I mean, you're literally building it from the ground up, right? I mean, you have to pick the venue. I mean, I don't have any idea what goes into making this entire thing happen. So The races we did, we did, were all road races. And they were all, one was on an airport, one was on an island, and one was on the streets of St. Petersburg. And the streets of St. Petersburg, when you talk about, you know, we're talking about, oh, this it's complicated and this and that. I literally sat down with a map of the city of St. Petersburg one Sunday afternoon at the table that's still downstairs and literally with a pencil and a, and a, and a 12 inch ruler and an eraser and designed the course. So, and the and fun, one afternoon, one afternoon and that was it. And that was what we did for two or three years. And it's, I don't know if it's still, they do it, but if they, if they still do it, whatever, there's still part of it that is on the course that, but it's hilarious because... Why isn't it named after you? I feel like you would beg for that. No, it was Tom... Tom Bagley. Tom Bagley. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, who was the guy that started that out. That was mm-hmm. an issue. I was just telling somebody the other day, so talk about in this world that you guys live in, where everything is, 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 everything is out there, it doesn't matter what you do, and you're photographed, you're this and that. We bought this race and all the pieces. I don't know if you, you remember this. And, and we... Um, <clears throat> We're doing the race, and we put it all together. It's the first year we're doing it, and it was like three days before the race, right? Three days before the race, on the front of the St. Pete Times, or whatever it was called, a front page, top of the fold, not the bottom of the fold, the top of the fold, when papers used to be important. And and it said, you know, uh, Tom Begley, uh, race co-director, or whatever his title was, um, with great uh, uh, talks... Uh, great history or whatever is overcome his cocaine um oh, man. cocaine not addiction <laughs> cocaine he got into uh cocaine uh re, you know Rehab? legal issue or whatever and, and it was and, his race uh, well we he we bought all the stuff from him and as part of it he got to stay as like the race vice president or something like that but yeah. nobody knew he never told us the first time i knew was probably when Graham plopped the newspaper down in front of me that morning. He's like, uh, did you see this? But are you guys believers of any press is good press? No, <laughs> not that. It's a PR nightmare. I would say sports in general uh, brings together some colorful characters. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there were dozens of people that we met, maybe not with as colorful backgrounds, but characters. Yeah, that's a term that can be used loosely. But uh, sports draws a, a pretty interesting mix. Well, we met, and, and down there, we met, right, George Steinbrenner, and uh, we found out how our boss, our boss was named H. Kent Stanner, and we called him Bud. Nobody had any idea. Do you know what, do you, you know what his H stands for? Herbert. And nobody knew until George Steinbrenner, who was one of his best friends early on, who used to work, they knew each other from Cleveland, and, um, and Steinbrenner got out of the, the um, pace car. After going around, because he didn't want to go, and, and our boss said, oh, you got to go, you got to go. And I was down the race course, and all I heard was, Herbie, that was f- 
<laughs> we're gonna have to edit that. Oh, sorry. Thanks for that. I thought that it was no. no yeah, we're no. good. Oh, oh this no, is for Spotify. Herbie, that was awesome. You can swear we'll edit it. Out. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it wasn't. No, I didn't no, think this worry, part was. Don't it. worry. So at, everybody was cracking up. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's and great. Monica Sells <laughs> was there at the top of her game, right? She was. Wow. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry. So then. So did you guys play a part in Fashion Week too? Did these guys, or was that mostly just Jeff? Well, Robbie was. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably got the most experience on all of that stuff from Jeff. Um, midway through, I would say maybe two thousand. Mm-hmm. Jeff was took a pretty big promotion within the company, and took over pretty right all of operations, but. All the operations of all the events. So no longer is it the Grand Prix, but... Only because Graham took over my role. <laughs> <laughs> Find me something else. <laughs> oh, what should we do with this guy? Let's bump him up. Right. So, um, so he oversaw operations of all the events. And so motorsports, fashion, tennis, golf. Um, we had some really cool stuff out west, like BMXing and surfing, uh, Grand Prix of Surf, and some really cool things. And um, and so when, when Jeff took that over... Um, that was when I had officially finished school and teasing that I was in this transitional, you know, AAA affiliate. But, um, at that time, Jeff then brought me over to be his assistant, um, in that department. And, um, it's funny not to be doom and gloom today and, and, you know, that we're recording. Um, Jeff oversaw all of world travel for the company and all the offices. And that was a gigantic, gigantic role. We had, in the old days, you had travel agents, and we had a travel agency in the in the office. So we had three or four, four full-time travel agents basically running travel for all the executives around the world. Um, and my second day in the role was 9-11. Wow. I was thinking about that this morning. Whoa. I was on my way to work. And that week, we were transitioning the old assistant out. And Jeff told me to come in a little later every day so that he could, you know, kind of work with her on some regular admin stuff. And then I would come in. And I was thinking about that this morning. It was a Tuesday, and it was my second day in that role as his assistant. And so anyways, it was, you know, it's a very, uh, it, it, it put it all into perspective really quick, the the magnitude and the, the width of his position because of all the people under his guidance on, mm-hmm. on that day and days after. Um, not only with our, we had three offices in New York at the time, I think, three or four office buildings in New York. And yeah, the I didn't, even know, I didn't even know that was his, like he did that. Until oh yeah, that was big, that was big, that was a big deal in our travel consultant, Harry Rim. Oh my, Harry Rim. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> and so, yeah, you like him because you never sat in the back I of the place when you were like that. eight. You know that guy and you're always sitting in a good spot. And, uh, oh, but anyways, man. that was and that was a big thing. So Jeff moved into that role, and I got to work on all those events. After that, it was a, obviously a shaky first couple of months because of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. But we worked on everything from motorsports to... Um, Did you get to travel fashion. as well? A little bit. Um, your dad... I really lucked out. Your dad made... He brought me in because he had an older assistant who was basically answering phones and typing memos and emails. And he was like, I really want somebody I can bring in who can handle projects and know what we're trying to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just You're right. for me because I went to Ohio State and I had school loans. But so, uh, but so he brought me in and, and, and it was a great opportunity because we took on, all of a sudden we took on these events and, and, and Jeff had this great approach where he was like, wait a minute, 
Because over the years, IMG would just buy these events from the Tom Begley's of the world and just add them on. And they were making money. And nobody ever bothered the people who ran them. And it was a really unique thing because they were all, for the most part, making a good amount of money. But no one ever looked at it holistically and said, hey, why don't we look at this together and use our buying power? Because we're all buying a lot of the same things. Fences, signage, mm-hmm. portalettes, power, uh, big parts of a temporary event. And... Um, so he saw this vision of putting it all under one umbrella and saying, like, okay, now you're all going to not answer to me, but we should all work together yeah. to make sure that we're rowing in the same direction. And, um, and as part of that, I was a, I don't know what you would call it, but I was, I was a salary, but I still had to be offered overtime. Was, I don't, so I don't even know what that sounds like. It was. It was. And so uh, with that being said, your, your dad's deal was he would loan me out to any of these events and all they had to do was pay my overtime and my travel. So I got to go out to some really cool stuff. I saw some really good stuff. We did tennis down in Miami and I got to do some I, I got to do some really cool stuff and it was awesome. And then of course Graham was running the other event, the event, so I got to go back and do all the motorsport stuff and um, you know, and work with Graham in, you know, a little bit of a different role. So it was great. But yeah, I, Jeff can talk way more about yeah. it, but it no, was my a favorite cool story. opportunity. <laughs> My favorite story of Robbie is that <clears throat> I didn't care, you know, whatever. I, I wasn't stuck on anything. And so one day, Rob goes to lunch, and the phone rings, and I answer it. And it's his sister. And I answer his phone. I say, hey, what's going on, Maureen? How are you doing? It's good. She said, all right. I said, well, Robbie's... She goes, what are you answering his phone? I said, it's, hey, I answered the phones. It is what it is. I said, what? I'll give him a message. What's, what's going on? She goes, well, will you just tell him that... Um, I, I, just if it's wrong, let me know. But I picked up his his dress shirts off the floor, and I'm taking to the dry cleaners for him today. And if that's not right, then then let me know. I'm like, wait, what did you just say? She says I'm taking. I said, wait a minute. He's living at your house, probably rent free, and you're taking his dry cleaning <laughs> into the thing. She goes, well, you know, just it's, it's whatever, and we're laughing about it, whatever, and because she was more my age than his, and and. I, so I right and I and I hang up and so I leave the message. I've never had more fun. And it used to be when you do these little pink slips, right? It wasn't an email or a text. Out. And mm-hmm. I wrote out, Robbie, your sister called and she wants to know if it's okay if she takes your clothes to the dry cleaner. <laughs> I was probably across the street getting me some pizza and yeah. him a cup of Italian wedding soup <laughs> and a half a salad. Oh, <laughs> Am I right? Same same lunch now. Uh, I, I could have guessed it. That was, that was, it was, but we had fun. We had a lot but it was fun. fun because in that, when we were doing all that event stuff, Graham was still a big part of some huge events mm-hmm. with the, the Grand Prix were still such a mainstay um, and a big financial piece of the business. Huge. So it was cool because even though Jeff evolved, I kind of slid over, but we were still like the same three dudes still circling, you know. Except then Jeff had to go do a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I think what was nice too is the on the surface the events, you know, what would a fashion show have in common with a Grand Prix event, uh, in common with a, a Tall Ships Festival, and and uh, on the surface they look remarkably different, but there's so many core tenets of event management, whether it's uh, time management, uh, working with the local municipalities, um, working on, on you know ticket sales, uh, corporate sponsorship. And, and so um, a lot of the skills were interchangeable and uh, to this day, and particularly just dealing with some tough, 
time-sensitive issues. Those are skills that I didn't realize were being kind of honed at a very young age in my professional career that I rely upon today in a very different industry, but you still still go back to some of those things and, and you recall where they came from. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you, you go back to the, some of my, you were talking about Robbie, but I remember, so we were working on the St. Pete Grand Prix and Graham and I had to go to the, the trophy maker's store or house yeah. or I don't, maybe it was the same thing. Anyway, again, prior to when you guys just say, tell me where 342 You're the only Penny one who uses Siri probably at this table. Okay, whatever. But Underutilized. I'm saying, you, you get lost too, right? Like, it, you don't, it was back in the day when you used to have to use maps. And Graham is very, very... Meticulous. Meticulous. <laughs> and he's got everything laid out. And there is, you know, if there's a bump in the road, it's like go, go over the bump in the road to the stop sign and then make a slight right and whatever. And Graham had these directions. And this guy had just really, not Graham, the guy that gave them to him, had not given him good directions. And we're driving around and the, the, the race is coming up. So we're both busier and I'll get out. And I, for whatever reason, we were going together. Because we both needed to look at it, or I don't remember. It was a 30-minute ride turned two hours, oh. I think. Ooh. And, and I don't know if you've stopped, but I haven't. No. Okay. And the poor boy. And I didn't, I wasn't, I don't think I got mad. Yeah, we're just like, both were getting frustrated. The, he must have bitten, I'm telling you, if he had any fingers left, it was because he felt so bad. I'm like, Graham, calm down. It's okay, we'll get there. Eventually we get there. And we did. It didn't take us long to get back. No. But we were in, one of the things we learned that day was that we probably should not go on long trips that involve maps together because we are both uh, not Challenge. very, yeah, we are both very challenged as it relates to direction. Um, but hey, Graham, you bite your nails too. It's a, a bad habit. I know, right. he gave me that habit. It's mm. horrible. Tough habit. Oh it my is. gosh. So how long were you at the company before you took over um, the role, the whole motorsports role? I'm not sure how many years it was. Um, you know, when I recall... Uh, it's 2000. That's when yeah, you took it over. Six, so six, this year's like long enough to feel comfortable, or did you kind of be like, oh my uh, gosh, like I have to take over this massive part of the company? I think most people are a little overwhelmed, whether yeah. you admit it or not, when you take on a new role, especially a large one. There's uh, some some intimidation, I think, when people are honest. Uh, he was running the event. The only re yeah. I mean, I literally went to the head of the company in August and said, you need to either find me another role or I need to find another job because he's better than I am and it's his turn. Hmm. So figure it out, but it is what it is. I'm not threatening anybody, but this doesn't. And he looked at me and said, are you out of your mind? And I said, no, but why would you, why would you pay me to continue to do the same thing that somebody younger with better ideas? And, you know, I've been doing this for six years. I've done what I can do. It's, it's time to move on. So if that means we gotta, I gotta, Go out. I gotta go out. But I mean, that's a hell of a way to get a promotion. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what was gonna happen. No. Nice. And then he took it over and kicked and and did, you know, all these cool things that so I never thought just, of. You're swearing like a sailor. Oh, whoops. It's all right. He well, uh, he kicked he kicked butt and and. <laughs> And did a really good job. And, Take and, two. Take three. You know, <laughs> no, if it's in the Bible, and, you can say it. <laughs> and, 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 and it was, no, but it was fun to watch. And, and, you know, again, and both during that time, right, to watch. So I was married and had you guys and the whole thing. And to watch, you know, not only that, but, you know, 
Graham find his true love, and 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 that didn't happen at the Grand Prix, but mm-hmm. um, that was from before. But kind of that work itself through, and then Robbie and the whole thing, and watch that. And we used to just abuse mm-hmm. Robbie about dating Robbie. Oh yeah, I was, like, I was like the little brother in the whole thing. We like, just, I you just, know, like, they used to wear me out on everything, and rightfully so because I obviously run my mouth, and so I need to be kept in check. But um, but with it, with that being said. Um, when you were asking about Graham taking over, I think one of the things about the motorsports events more than anything else was it, you were dealing with so many outsiders because it's this gigantic event where there's all these vendors and all these people. We can, we can pause. Okay. All right. All right, everybody, we're back. We just had to uh, say hi to Matt, Quinn's brother. And uh, so, Robbie, you were saying you were saying how Graham took over this role as the. Uh, the director of motorsports and everything, and the director of the motor, uh, the motor side of IMG, and uh, he kind of gracefully, gracefully walked into this role. Would you say? Or? Yeah, you know, and that's all I was trying to point out was that you, there were so many. You know, our department probably had I don't even know thirty people in it, maybe at its best, mm-hmm. and but there were so many outside vendors because it was such a huge undertaking, and um, they were the same vendors and they were the same volunteers. And yeah, I mean, and it was year after year. I mean, these events had been around a long time. IMG just kind of came in and bought them over mm-hmm. time. And so why things had changed, a lot of these people had been there for a long time. And um, they were in industries that, were, that weren't easy, gritty industries, right? You dealt with a lot of unions and you dealt with a lot of um, construction folks and just some people who work really hard, who um, have their set ways and different things that they want to do. And... Um, they don't give a long leash. And so right away, they run you through a ringer, and if they like you, they like you, and if they don't, they have no use for you, and, and you're kind of cast aside. And so I think that goes a long way with Graham because he had he'd worked really hard, and he worked under Jeff, and so they all knew him. You know, there, wasn't, there was no mystery to it. There was no one coming in with crazy changes. It was somebody who worked just as hard, who earned everyone's respect, who had done all the grunt work, so it was. It was. I think he was welcomed because everyone was like, "Oh, great. Okay, Jeff's." Of course, he was. They all liked him better than me. Well, <laughs> I was just gonna say to he might be. He was. He was less. Uh, you know, abrasive. Abrasive. Obnoxious. It was. But it was patient. It was, he was it more was, patient. It was, I think to everybody, it was. It was kind of relieving that this is who was taking that step. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a very easy transition, and yeah. for the staff, just the same. So did, it made it easy. Did you guys? And he was still up the road, so, checking yeah. in all the time. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like. Did you guys ever get yelled at from him? I'm very intrigued. You never yelled at them? I don't think I ever... In all my years working for him in different roles, he never... Hmm. If he yelled, it was about something I told him. But it wasn't wasn't about... I don't remember remember yelling at you. They didn't deserve it. They did an awesome job. Only Hmm. with me. I think you also taught us, though, that, that when people lose their cool, typically... Yeah, while it's necessary at times to establish you know, who you are and, and if somebody's not doing something, you need to call them on it. But I think more times than not, you tend to lose respect for the person that comes in screaming. Again, everybody has their moment, but, but if you constantly see somebody behaving poorly, rarely does uh, yelling at somebody garner respect. And at a very young age, I was able to witness several different leaders that all led in different ways. And as young uh, young men, I think Robbie and I were able to kind of take mental notes. And you said, hey, when I'm in that role, 
uh, years from now. I'm going to behave more like that or I'm going to behave less than that. So you're, you're quietly starting to um, define your own brand uh, based upon the leaders in which you're fortunate enough to work with. And I think that's a great point because oftentimes for young people, college students, right out of school, young professionals, everyone's looking for a mentor. They're looking for someone that they can not necessarily hitch, hitch their wagon to, but somebody that they can learn from and how they want to be like this and they want to emulate this and they want this experience to be around great people. Sometimes it's a very good experience to be around people you, you don't want to emulate and to see some of the, the, the reactions to bad leadership. Because right away it says, and it's the same as a parent, when you're becoming a parent, you see things that work and then you see things that definitely don't work. And sometimes it's better to know what you definitely won't do to create better habits. I will never speak to somebody that way. I will never let someone leave my office feeling like they let me down, you know, or, you know, that it's, everything should have a message or positive. Um, I mean, I, and I think that for both, you know, Jeff and Graham, and I, like I said, whenever there was an issue, if Jeff was mad, it wasn't at us. It was because of the news we were delivering, like that somebody else had said something or somebody else wanted to do something. And I feel the same way about Graham. <clears throat> I was a student at Ohio State and finishing up school, and I was working closely with Graham on all the, the motorsports stuff, um, and I would pre-write my communication and bring it to him before I'd send it. I'd send it, the email to him. And we didn't he, even have email. That's no, we were barely on the edge of email, and he'd print it out, and he would say to me, red or green, when I'd sit down, and that was the color pen. <laughs> he was going to make changes to it. And the funniest part was uh, seeing his work notebook now is, is, is he has this, he, he continues to write in cursive and it's hard to read. And so it wasn't as much as him wordsmithing an email for me and typing the changes in. He would scribble all over it with a colored marker and write the notes. And then I'd go back and I'd be like, what the hell was he talking? <laughs> That's the first I sentence. Remember, I don't remember yeah. what that was. I barely remember the last sentence as we <laughs> talked it over. But, um, but he would wordsmith these things with me and, and, and walk me through it. And, mm -hmm. and I remember him telling me that his dad would do a lot of those things too when he was growing up. And, um, and I, I, it's one of those things where even now in my business, when we go to say something, I'll send an email Somebody else will say, hey, can you help me clean this up on how, what, like, just so it sounds right, just so mm -hmm. it, it appears right, or so somebody reads it and gets the true meaning behind it that I'm not mad, I'm trying to be positive, and, um, and it's good. I mean, that's how you learn, it's, and, and those are the things you don't think at the time, but you take it with you, and you're like, wow, that was such a, an awesome learning experience. Well, we're both, we're both English majors, oh, and mm -hmm. it's... Like, I'm in, I'm in a creative writing class right now, and we're on poems, and it's all about showing and not telling, and like, oh, I've heard that word a million times in the two weeks of classes, and I mean, like, I know I'll send stuff to Michael to chat, like, we, I, I just got a tutoring job, and he gave me the, con he tutors there right now, I'm like, dude, can you read this before I send this to him, yeah. so like, let's, let's make sure this is right. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of, I mean... Like you were saying, the mentorship and just the collaboration is so crucial. I mean, the mind melding. Like, sure. it takes a team of fifty people working full time just to plan this one event, you know, or to plan all these events for a weekend. And I mean, it, that partnership and the IMG just seems like it brought together just some of the most brilliant minds, uh, just to kind of make these programs happen. Yeah, just on the on the topic of, of mentorship, I think uh, it's rare to see somebody succeed in an organization that didn't have a champion behind him or her. Uh, almost everyone 
uh, that achieve some level of success can point back to one, if, if they're lucky, if they're really lucky, maybe it's two or three people in their professional career. Jeff was that to Robbie and me. Um, and, and uh, you know, you hope that you learn not only a lot about business, but Jeff taught us just as much about life uh, as being a husband, as a father. Um, feel very fortunate in that respect. So uh, I think as young professionals, a lot of your listeners, you know, look for those people that you can try to emulate, uh, not only in a profession, but how they handle themselves uh, equally in and outside of the business. Mm-hmm. On this, like to take a sports analogy, because we have a sports podcast too, it just reminds me like, I mean, when you guys were growing up, I mean, I know I did this. When you're when you're playing baseball or wiffle ball, you like you practice. Who, who like your favorite player growing up? Like you do a Griffey swing, sure, or like Mike Trout swing, and you're like, I want to be him. That's who I want to be, and that's just like, or you shoot like Kobe, or you say Kobe, or like try and knock it like LeBron, even though none of us can do that. But yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> you I just didn't. I just didn't want to. You just lower the rim to six feet and just jam. Yes, and then I hurt my back and stopped. So. <laughs> Something else that, that either Michael or Quinn said, uh, just about opportunities. I think um, sometimes they're more obvious than others. Uh, in, in a couple of my chances to grow, it happened because of promotions of, of your father. Other times it was the dismissal of an executive that gave me a chance to move forward. Um, early on, including uh, the birth of your brother, um, it, it meant that your dad was not able to go as much to St. Petersburg, and that gave me a chance to be more involved with that Grand Prix than I other, otherwise would be. So I think for a young adult to really um, you know, be, be uh, very present and conscious about when those opportunities are available. Um, sometimes they're, they're subconsciously there, and you, you need to really understand that this is a chance for you to, to move on and, and to grow uh, and, and really seize it and take advantage of it. And I think part of that, just to, to dovetail on that, is um, until you're our age, right? Like, you, And we're not trying to preach to anybody, at least I'm not. You don't realize how much working for good people matter. Because unless you are truly in charge and own your own business and run your own destiny and even even somebody who owns their own business still answers to the customer, right? Um, you don't know how important it is to work for good people. And I think one of the great parts about the culture at IMG and specifically what Jeff created on, in our group and all of us working together was you never walked away wondering if they had your best interest in mind. I mean, we got pushed and... When you worked there, everyone wanted to work there. I mean, Graham, before we started, was talking about working for nothing. I, I worked for nothing, and I was paying my way through school. I had, I had to go home at night and work all night to, so I could keep paying my tuition. I mean, he was doing the same thing. And it was, we wanted to work there so bad. And then when you got a taste of it and working for Jeff in that environment, you wanted to work there so bad to the point where when you found out how much money you made when you worked there, you're like, I still want to work here. And it was nothing. They, you know, entry-level people weren't making a whole lot of money in sports. And, um, and, but it was the people you worked for. Never did I think that if something happened, Jeff always had our back. Graham always had my back. I never thought twice about it. If something happened, nothing was ever going to happen to us because Jeff would take care of it in a way... Um, like a big brother, but it was, it was, you know, and, and we at the same time earned that trust by running through walls for him and he knew we would do anything he needed. And you don't find that often in business anymore. And as young people, it's very tough and you don't sometimes know it till after the fact, 
But working for, for good people is very important. Somebody you can trust because those are the people you can follow. When you think about all the people that you are still there, I mean, you're still working with, with, with Pam mm-hmm. and, and <clears throat> all the other people that are around. I'm still working with Paul Britton, who you worked for after you left yeah. IMG. And, and that's 30, you know, I mean, you guys don't remember that because you weren't there, but the, the first year of the Grand Prix, this guy, it, and, I, and I joke, but if I'd offered him that weekend, Paul Britton, $10,000 for 50% of his company, so he could, and he could have used that money, he'd have taken it in about a, two seconds. That company's now worth $12, $15, 20000000 million. Oh, easily. Um, what company is it? It's called Britton Media. And he, he was he was brilliant, but he he was literally making signs out of the back of a truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were literally at two and and um, uh, you know the first year, um, I created a, a an oil spill or gas spill of humongous proportions. Which if anybody had known, they would have shut the Grand Prix down. But because um, I because I went in to go get my briefcase, and Paul came in and said, "Hey, I got to show you these signs and see if they're okay." And I forgot that I was filling up the car. We used to have a gas tank in the in the area where the Grand Prix offices were down at the at the um, at the airport, and um, I forgot. And so the gas just poured out because I was the last one there with Paul, and the gas poured out for quite some time. And anyway, we had to push my car out for fear that if I started it, it would blow up. Oh um, man. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but 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 with that being said, so Paul Britton owns Britain Media, Britain Banners at the time, Britain Media, and as time goes on, um, Paul then wins when Jeff's in that new role, and we start bringing all the events together. Paul then wins the bid um, to do the signage for the entire country for all of our events. Well, yeah. and um, it's one of those things where here's a guy who had this small business in Traverse City, Michigan. It gets the Grand Prix. It starts growing. It starts growing. He gets that, and it just allows him to really – I mean, he was already doing events. He was doing a good job, but it really gave him another another level to stand on and take his business further. Um, and it sounds and, like you guys probably gave that opportunity to a ton of people. I mean, your whole idea of making, you know, IMG one big conglomerate. like You, you did, but they earned it. Yeah. Right. It wasn't anybody yeah. that didn't earn it. Oh, yeah. Graham earned his job. There were plenty of people that worked for us that I don't know where they are now, right? Mm-hmm. Robbie earned that opportunity. They didn't, I, I didn't mm-hmm. give anybody, there are no favors. That wasn't, this business, right? I can like anybody I want. And that's great. But mm-hmm. you can't do the job. There are plenty of people I like that I don't know where they are or what they're doing or anything else. These guys knew what the hell they were doing. They were willing to work. Like, I, like we needed and on top of it whatever you're talking about being you know loyal and all this other stuff which is why in their lives you know they have these marriages that are so fantastic that they have these kids that are amazing and that we all you know one time a year that everybody can get together um everybody's all entwined and will be because that's what that's how people succeed that's how they succeed um you know, it wasn't anything about what I was doing. It was what they were doing. You couldn't look away because it was so impressive. And that's why they've continued to succeed in what they're doing because that's what they do. And that's, you know, and then to watch that and have them watch their kids watch that and then see their kids 
you know, take that success to the next level and be better. And, you know, it's well, the next also, generation. It sounds like, I know Graham told me this when I did my senior project, but it, was, it also sounds like, so where I worked this summer was Rock and Roll Magazine and, and you're always one for any job. And it's like, do whatever they want you to do. Like Sundays we had uh, like this photo thing and it was like not my day of working, but like I always did them. I mean, I was just like, do anything they ask you to do because any opportunity is a good opportunity and it sounds like you guys and do it better than anybody yeah and it sounds like yeah. you guys I think the analogy of being a sponge you go in there and, and you want to maximize every particular opportunity but but take it all in uh, whether it's something being asked of you whether you're observing some some of the the, uh, the meetings where I learned the most I never opened my mouth but I'm, I'm watching all the I'm, I'm watching and listening to the conversation and I'm watching body language so as young people, um, you know, I, I didn't put a lot of weight in that. But, you know, who's leaning back in their chair? Who's leaning in? Who's got their arms crossed? Who, who clearly didn't prepare for the meeting and they're kind of scrambling with their notes? I mean, there's so many things that you're picking up uh, through kind of human interaction um, that I think is just so important. Well, it's funny that you say that about the meeting. <laughs> funny story about Jeff. Um, no, this is a good one. And uh, it's PG, PG. Um, so I start working for Jeff, and we take you know we have all these events under our umbrella now, and we're trying to get everyone to work together. So for instance, uh, there was a golf event and a tennis event in La Jolla, California, La Jolla, I think, down the street from each other, and they were five weeks apart, and they were using different vendors for everything, for signage, for fences, for everything. It, it was a complete waste of money, right? Like together, there had to be a way that we could save some money by giving one company all the generator business or all the outhouse business or all these things. So we're going to do this whole big uh, RFP, request for proposal project, on the, the like three or four of the major vendor things that we could do nationally, right? Temporary power plus the air conditioning that goes in the tents, all the tents, all the signage, and maybe fencing. Grandstands. Maybe grandstands, maybe. So it's like four or five of these major things. And uh, we're building them out, and we know all the vendors because they're doing the events. And we want to tell these guys, listen, you have a chance to do this. Now, some of them were regional players, and that was part of what Graham just said about the meeting was some of them came, you know, they were already talking to each other, like, I can handle the East Coast, you can handle the West Coast, and coming up with some type of partnership to grow their business. Mm -hmm. So, Jeff, we're going to send all these people these RFPs. I put the whole thing together. It's all this, it's um, spreadsheets, like back in the day when spreadsheets were crazy. Build the whole thing out. And I said, so what are we going to do? He goes, well, we're going to submit them to everybody. And I said, okay, and they're going to send a proposal back. And he said, no, we're bringing them in. So we're bringing all these people to Cleveland? He said, yeah. He said, great. And I think maybe the signage, the signage one might have been the biggest. There's probably 15 companies and 10, 15 companies. And I said, so what are we, when are we bringing them in? Like, you're making a point. How do you want me to do this? Point them in each day. He said, hell no. We're bringing them all in. We're gonna, and we're going to bring all the event directors in. We're going to have each event their own table. And the signage guy is going to go to that table and pitch him and then go to the next event oh. and pitch him. And we're going to have them all in the same room at the same time. And I was like... You gotta be kidding me. There's we cannot do this. I'm like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. I'm sweating. They're not even, it's not even me. And he's like, oh hell no. We're gonna get them in a room, we're gonna lock them in a room, and it's gonna be survival of the fittest, and we'll see who wants to go 15 rounds and go table to table and sell themselves 15 times. And so uh, it was very much like we joked that it was very much like speed dating, and you had to come in and give the same spiel. And I think you got twelve minutes or something. It was a real off, you know, off number, 
And um, and I remember thinking of it, and it was like this gigantic cattle call. And um, we fed them, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And you saw all the people in the same room. And what was funny is we were talking about Britain media and those couple things. Um, Britain had the potential to do almost all of the country, but there were a couple of spots where the where the directors of those events were really stuck on one or two things that their vendor did. And so Paul Britton was smart. He said, "We'll bring them in. We'll pay them to do that part of it. If that makes you feel comfortable." And it was seeing those people change their business a little bit to win the big business. And I think that was a big part of it. I mean, we had Deutsche Bank. We had all those golf events in there. And, um, but I just remember these guys coming in. And I don't know. If, I don't remember if they knew everyone would be there at the same time. They, no, they did. They did. But it was like, it's I mean, like it was definitely, oh, wow. it was great. Yeah. It was great. You had guys dressed in suits. You had guys dressed in cargo shorts who just fell off a ladder. Like, it was awesome. awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And, and looking back, it was fantastic. But it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Now did you guys. Just a, this you the, wait, wait. You weren't the only one. You know, Bob Kane, who was the president of IMG at the time. And I told him what we were doing because I, the only reason he, I mean, he was because I asked him if he would, if he would come up for lunch. Yeah. And he, and I'm telling him what's going on. He goes, are you out of your mind, boy? I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to put all those people in the same room and say, he goes, I said, yeah. He goes, I wouldn't show up. I said, what do you mean? It's millions of dollars. I wouldn't show up. Screw that. I wouldn't show up. I said, well, they're all going to show up. And they did. They did. And what, was your, what was your reasoning behind it? I mean, what was the logic of we're going to throw... Was it literally just like cutthroat survival of the fittest? Let's see who really wants I it. I never really cared. I mean, you know, it was like, look, if you can do the job, come in and do it. And these guys... We, first of all, you didn't have a lot of time. So you had... Okay. I knew we were going to have two days. We could get two days with all the event directors in one place. Okay. You are not going to be able to do one at a time, one at a time, one yeah, at a time. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't have worked. Kind of and how much do you love meetings anyway? That would have been a lot of meetings. Well, I wasn't going to be... But I mean, it would It would have been... I you know, been no, it was just, but it was, it was Wow, it was like, look, we're players, so here you go. You want to be in, be in. The other reason was because what was it going to do? Everybody's, as Robert said, everybody's nervous. It was like, so you knew you were going to get the lowest number from these people because they yeah. wanted it. They they, you know, this is going to be millions of dollars. Yeah. I was going to, we were going to, I was going to, we were going to, whatever. It was going to make everybody's next three, it was a three-year deal. It was going to make everybody's yeah. next three years and to be able to say they were the official science person mm-hmm. of IMG, we were the largest by so much sports management firm and entertainment in the in the world. That was a calling card. Mm-hmm. I'm that's I mean th- that, let me tell you something. The minute that that got done, every one of those guys had that on their letterhead. You know, this is who we are. This is what we're doing, and and whatever. And then we, you know, then the next step was to to you know get them all. They all they all they all marketed too, and then we. We made them market with us uh, on that. But we had, you know, but we did, I mean, you remember sitting, I don't, were you, I don't know if you were there, but remember sitting, we used to sit at the Grand Prix, and we put up all this signage, and we, using, let's use Britain as, a, as an example, so we used to put up all this signage in the Grand Prix, right, and they would go up on the fence, and so ABC would come in. Wait, can we send this to Britain? Are they still in business? Because we're giving them a lot yes. of free. Points. They're not. They're not in business. They're killing it. Yes. Okay, so can we send this? We to can them? send that to Paul. Yeah. He would love yeah. it. So the um, so used to go and sit on Friday afternoon late, and then Saturday afternoon because the ABC would put their cameras in place, and then so once ABC put their cameras in place, you would then see where the signage was getting picked up on the on the fence and on the barriers, and so. Paul would have to, 
you'd have him on, they'd be, his people, the Britain guys would be on site because you'd be ordering more signs because you'd place more on the barriers mm -hmm. and they, they were, you couldn't take them off. It was, they're like wallpaper. You put them on the barriers and they stay down. And so you'd watch the stuff and then you'd go back to these people. Either you'd have a, uh, a sponsor who wasn't happy or who Could you, you wanted to take care of it. You would, no, you, no, you it was new places because you, you didn't have them, you, you didn't, didn't have them, on, them down, you just put, more. put more of them on the barriers that weren't covered. There's thousands of barriers. And so you would do that. But there was also places on the fence, on the, the catch fence for the yeah. Grampy, right? Oh, okay. And so at one point, it was in Detroit, and there was a corner. It was unbelievable. It was getting picked up over and over and over. And, you know, you're talking about impressions now or, or, or social media, you know, clicks, whatever. Yeah. This is what you got, right? And it was showing up for minutes upon end on Saturday. This one place, you know, sign. So I went to Paul, and I said, look, I want to put up, we wanted to do, Detroit was first. So we wanted, and I guess you remember, remember that we wanted to promote Cleveland, which was coming up in two mm -hmm. or three weeks. Absolutely. And I said, I want our sign right there. And Paul's like, all right, well, you know, in order to do that, put it up, it's going to be like, you know, 10 grand because I got to do this and I got to do that. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, put mine there, put yours there. He said, what? I said, put mine there and yours there. And then you're not going to charge me for it. He said, I don't understand what you're saying. I said, you want Britain Media on the national circuit? You're going to have... You know, the way they run this, you're going to have 15 minutes of national television exposure through this whole thing. I said, you know what that's worth? I mean, you're talking about forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And he was like, damn, done. And <laughs> got packed the next morning, and there was the Brit Media sign, and there was the Cleveland Grand Prix sign. And, yeah. you know, it was, it was, so you just, but that was a lot of fun. I mean, I wasn't, you know, and they, and, and, and those guys, but they're, again, they're still, you know. I don't know where we're going with no, that. No, so it's a lot of thinking outside the box. It, oh, it was like, fun. I mean, yeah, but it's I mean. Just you trying to, you know, it's almost like this little Rubik's Cube of, all right, how can I make money? How can I make mm -hmm. these barter deals? Not even just like straight up deals, but like goods and services, you know. But it was fun. You were able to do it. Yeah. You still, that's the, that's the fun part. When you can, you know, it's a little harder now, I think, because it's mm -hmm. not as easy to just, but, you know, the, the, but everybody's doing that. I mean, Robbie's well, working doing working events. I know from my short experience of it and doing it at Carroll, it, it is so fun to do them. I've only worked sports ones so far, and they're, they're a blast because you like prepare for them, especially at Carroll, like Sports Info. We'll like we have office hours. We'll prepare for them, like prepare for the games for the week. You go, you do the games for three hours, and they're a blast, and you're thinking on your feet. And obviously, it's not at the scale of IMG, but yeah. like. Still the same thing, and it's so fun. I think with events, there's a, a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Uh, in other forms of business, you could be working on a project for months or years, and, and you don't have the sense of accomplishment that you get in, in a Grand Prix starting or a Tall Ships or a fashion show that uh, materializes. Um, and it's, it's a, an emotional... Uh, both a relief, but it, it's it's like taking down a Christmas tree for those that celebrate Christmas. It, it's never fun. And, and the same thing about the Grand Prix. Once it was done, uh, there was almost a sense of mourning because everything you had worked on for literally the entire year was over, and you're getting ready for the for the next, for the next, the next, the next. But I wanted to go back to something Robbie said, which is just the importance of enjoying the people that you work with. Uh, for somebody that's a, a younger professional or a student. Um, I think most people are, are working more and more, just generally in society. You're, you're not working seven and a half hours. It's, it's eight, it's 10, it's 12, it's 14 hours a day. And um, if you're miserable at work, it's, it's hard to turn off at home. So if you're miserable for 
eight to 10, 12, 14 hours a day, the chance of you go, going home and, and pretending it's like flipping off a light switch and being perfectly happy and being that great husband or wife um, to a significant other, or being that great father or mother to your children is, is not realistic in my view. And, and so uh, a bad career or a bad job impacts you in ways far beyond your job. Uh, it leads to a lot of challenges outside of the office as well. So just the importance of getting that piece right. You don't have to love your job every day. Uh, everybody's entitled for some bad days, bad weeks, bad months, or bad quarter. But if you're constantly miserable in your job, that has a tremendous impact on the rest of your life and, and your best to, to move on and come to the reality early on in your career that uh, you've got to find something that you're passionate about. Well, and on that note, we only have a couple of minutes left, mm -hmm. Michael. You can ask, wrap it up, yeah. Because I know I, I've known you. Well, I, I, I don't want to. I want to just hit one because I've abused Rob, and so it, whatever. I, Graham was talking about the the morning after an event, both the M O U R N I N G, and then I'm going to talk about the morning after an yeah. event. So the first year that that Graham ran the Detroit Grand Prix, which is his, you know, first step into taking it all over. Anyway, so I was much older. And the race ended, and the younger folks all went out. So I told Graham he was finishing up with something, and then I said, look, just go. I'll be here tomorrow morning, and then I'm going to leave to go home because I hadn't been home for a while with the kids and everything. So I said, if you just be here by 12, and I'm going to leave at 12, and then you can finish the cleanup and everything else. This is leading to the Breakfast of Champions. The Breakfast of Champions. And so I got there, and I was making sure things were in place, and these – because. It, Grand Prix wrap up very quickly. Um, you got to get this off and this and this. So the first few days are just crazy because they're taking everything down and whatever. So I uh, I do that. And I get there and about eleven thirty, Graham shows up and um, uh, all good, ready to go. And uh, he's before I start, I, I I got to eat. I didn't have breakfast this morning. I got to eat. And they used to have we used to have the this party the night before, after the race ended and the and the the volunteers and everybody, whatever. So we're in the trailer and there's a big refrigerator and all this stuff. And so I said, all right, you ready? So I'm in, I'm in my office down at the other end and Graham's forging around and whatever. And then I got to update him or whatever. So he gets his stuff and he's all right, I got my, I'm good. And I walk out into the main area where there's a table and there's Graham. There are two diet Cokes, a slab of ribs and a hunk of cake. So half of a sheet cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sitting there, at which we sat and went over the list that I had and he had or whatever for the next 20 minutes, and he ate the entire thing and then went about, about his business. Yeah. That probably He's catching would've... up on maybe a week's worth of not eating. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. No, it was memorable. It was, it was 11. And then, and then I left and went home, and he went and finished it up. But yeah. it was, uh, it was, these were, it were good times. And yeah, that's that obviously where, you know, I'm, this is 30. 20, I don't know, that's too many years. Um, 20 years later, though. Yeah. 20 to 25. No, it's 20, yeah, 90, well, 2000, 2000 was when I, so it's 20 years since I, since I went to the, to the other position. I mean, and, and we still all work together, but. Yeah, I think we, we all consider ourselves very fortunate that we have not only each other, but but all the friends that we've referenced. Uh, so many have come from that chapter. Again, when you're when you're young and you're going through it, you don't have you don't have anything to compare it to, so you don't know if this is the way business is always going to be, or you don't know if this is kind of the the old uh, uh, our, our, uh, our friend Camelot. Uh, 
uh, you know, you don't know if this is just going to be this glamorous chapter or not. And, and um, yeah, I think we're all just very fortunate to, um, there, there haven't been too many uh, moments like that. Uh, I've had some wonderful new twists and turns professionally, but that was indeed a special time in our lives. Mm-hmm. And just as we're wrapping up here, um, I mean, you guys all have had, you know, long, successful careers. Um, we were talking about this the other day, and uh, I just, I'm curious what you give, you know, credit to the longevity of your careers, to the success of, you know, being, you know, family men and, you know, being able to devote yourself to this career. Do you have, you know, some wisdom that has guided you um, and that you would, you know, share to the viewers you know, some some parting words of wisdom, if you will. We can just go around the table if you guys want. Surround yourself with really good people. That's it. Right there. That's what you do. And that's what these guys are. Really good people. I love these two men. And I have no problem saying it. And it just, you know, and then you watch, right? And then they, you, you get to know. And, and we were laughing before this started, right? And I was talking about my five friends, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of friends. Five, maybe like four. Easy. Um, Nobody asked for your opinion. You're just supposed to be asking questions. Never mind. We'll cut you out. (laughs) We know how to edit. (laughs) I'm sure you do. Um, But that's that's mine, right? And you just it proves it time and time again. And you don't have to have a lot of people around you if you have good people around you. Yeah, I think um, I would agree. But just to to, to try to to touch on a new point or two, uh, staying grounded. And some of that comes by who raised you and who, who you let into your life and making sure you, you know, stay ambitious without getting ahead of yourself. Um, the other part is just staying intellectually curious. I think that's um, always asking why, never settling, always reaching out. I was listening to a, an interview recently, and it's a, a famous movie producer who once a week schedules a curiosity interview. And this gentleman reaches out and he conducts a one-hour call with uh, anybody um, in different industries very intentionally because he just wants to stay sharp and he wants to make sure that he's got the pulse of, of the world uh, at large. And I just thought that was something uh, that I'm going to try to emulate, not once a week per se, but um, you know, trying on a regular basis to reach out to people across different industries, geographies, continents, and uh, just continue to feed that intellectual curiosity. Um, for me, um, my thoughts or advice would be, have your um, sister do your laundry. Have your sister do your laundry. Um, I'm very fortunate. (laughs) Big family. Shout out to Maureen. Shout out to Maureen. Um, but in all reality, for, for me, it's, it's to remember, um, every day when you get up, you decide which side of bed you get out of. Right? You know, oh, he got up on the wrong side of bed today. He's in a bad mood. No. You decide every day what kind of day it's going to be. And you can be lighthearted. Sometimes I'm probably too lighthearted. Right? I'm too sarcastic. But we're here to do the work. And we're not going to be here anymore if the work doesn't get done. Right? In most businesses, if you don't get the work done, you're not going to be there very long. So if we're going to be here, we're going to do the work. Let's make it fun. Let's have fun. Let's get along. Let's pull the best out of each other, you know, and, 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 and really enjoy that time because um, nobody likes cleaning up debris on the side of a racetrack. Nobody likes scraping tape off of a tarmac, right? Nobody likes hanging signs for hours on end. I mean, it's tiring. It's your sunburn. You're all, 
but it's it's really funny if you're playing a game and it's really funny if you're you know and, and I think you can take that to all levels of business because um, a positive attitude is never duplicated and it's contagious but you can't duplicate it later if you're not positive you never know who you're gonna meet and then for that one minute maybe you weren't having the best day or whatever and you, you didn't put your best foot forward and I think every day you can decide what kind of day it's gonna be and there's a lot of challenges but it's you just have to be lighthearted and understand that you can only control so many things control mm-hmm. the things you can and try to make them more lighthearted that's my thought well said I want to add one more you got to have really good barter deals and if you can the, the one that we all three share is a place called hornblowers it's no longer there which is all very sad for us R. because R. they because they still owe us money mm-hmm. <laughs> every year we did soup. crusted onion soup mm-hmm. Every year, it was right near the Grand Prix, and every year we used to do a barter deal for $5,000. And Graham and Robbie, I just ate the bejesus out of that. Because we would be there. We would go down, and they knew who we were, and it didn't matter. They were packed, and we said, hey, we got to come in, and we're going to eat, and we need to bring somebody down. They cleared the table. They they threw people overboard into the water so we (laughs) could. It didn't matter which one of us called. It was awesome. And that was, no, but, but, uh. That's the episode title, Barter Deals. Yeah. Barter Deals. <laughs> All of your thoughts. Well, we had a boss that could not remember the name, and he called it Blowhorners. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys going down to Blowhorners? Can you get me something, please? <laughs> well, thank you guys for the chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I appreciate the conversation. i